Sportsnet 590, The Fan. All right, we're back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Justin and Brent this morning. You can text us at 590-590 at any time. If something you want to contribute to the discussion, we've got three more guests today. And we are going to chat now about uh, the players and what we heard yesterday. But first, let's finish our Dubas thought. Uh, you had one more thing you wanted to mention on Kyle Dubas's big day yesterday. Yeah, I do. Just quickly, uh, somebody tuning in is hearing you go, oh, shocker, they're going to talk about the Leafs? Yeah, that's what we're doing at this time of year, okay? Uh, mm. Until the carcass is done being picked at, we're going to talk about them, and then guess what? Then free agency is going to come. We're going to keep talking. There's about a them. lot of meat still yeah. on the boat. Oh, Let's oh, just yes, be honest yes. With. We are a couple of hungry, hungry vultures. Yes. The thing I wanted to point about Kyle Dubis, and this is this is the really interesting kind of unknown, and you know, I imagine as this situation plays itself out, we'll potentially see a little more reporting on this. But it's really interesting. The idea of a you know power struggle is probably too strong of a term. I think. But a lot of the conversation about Kyle Dubas, and yes, he laid it out. The conversation that he is having in regards to being the Toronto Maple Leafs GM is his family and what goes on. And quickly on that, we had the whole Kawhi and Dine thing to get him to stay. Maybe dining for Dubas is what we need to do. Give that family free meals, whatever. <laughs> or or if, just leave him alone in the grocery store. Yeah, no, no, no. I want to be clear. Like, don't bother them. I'm just saying mm. if they're going to... If they're getting some takeout, it should be free. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Do not talk to them. I don't know. I don't know if he's earned uh, Kawhi and Dine free meals everywhere. Uh, I want to. The money I you're making. The money you're making in this city, Kyle. You can spend <laughs> and you can give back to the city. Okay. Um, but yeah, we okay. we both agree he should be back. Power vacuum. Power vacuum is the interesting thing here. Brendan Shanahan. This is his guy. He picked him. Right. If he didn't. If Brendan Shanahan didn't want Kyle Dubas to be the Leafs GM, and and people can change their opinions on these things, obviously, but he would have kept Lou Lamorello, or he would not have blocked Kyle Dubas from going to interview with the Colorado Avalanche many moons ago. So obviously, this is a guy he is very high on. As Kyle Dubas grows, what do we all want in life as we improve at anything, whether it's your job or a, or a sport you like to play or a skill you're working on? You want a little more responsibility. You want a little more autonomy. You want the training wheels off. And if those guys are in lockstep on everything, which how could they be? You could have a twin brother, and I bet the Sedins still argue about whether you want hot sauce or ketchup on something, okay? People will disagree on things, is that as Kyle Dubas becomes more self-assured, and how could he not be? He made moves. We've all talked about being well. He got through the hump that is the first round, and the team, clear as day, wants him back based on everything we have heard. So how could he not feel that way? It is only natural to say, well, can can we take the training wheels off? Why, why mm-hmm. do I still have to have them? Now, again, if him and Brendan Shanahan see everything 95%, because nobody's going to see everything 100% the same way, but if they're mostly in lockstep, this isn't an issue. This is a semantic argument of, do I get the final say? Do you get the final say? Who cares? We're both saying the same thing, if that's the case. But if there are schisms, if there are, and I don't want to mean schism to mean a big fight, but it's just people have different opinions on how to build a hockey team or how to put a room sure. together or whatever. If that's the question... I think that's a really, really interesting conundrum for MLSE because Brendan Shanahan's job is, yeah, it's the Shanna plan and it's putting everything in place. But there's a lot that goes into, and I'm not going to pretend to know what it is, but there's a lot that goes into being the alternate governor and president and all of that. Mm -hmm. And 
you didn't pick him for the job just for giggles. You did it because you thought he was good at it. So if there is a bit of a power struggle, and again, we don't know that that's happening, but that is the real crux of the, the, the question here is who do you have more faith in if it came to that point? And I'm not saying it's going to, but if it does, that's a really interesting question for MLSE because I, I, I keep going back to it. I refuse to believe this is a dollar and cents issue. I'm not saying they immediately capitulate and say, okay, Kyle, whatever you want. But if push comes to shove, if it's, and who knows what GMs get paid, but if it's 3 million versus 4 million or whatever the deal is, I imagine the money's eventually going to come through from MLSE. Sure. But if the sticking point is, if I get, do I get the absolute final say on this? I think that's something that's still very much up in the air. Well, there's the personal issue, which is the family, and there's the professional issue. And I think there'd be we'd be naive to suggest or to believe that there's only a personal issue here. Of course. Like clear and we've heard this. We've heard that there's been a little bit of friction between the two. Freed reported yesterday that it's nothing they can't overcome. So when you say schism, yeah, maybe it's maybe it's just a minor thing. It's not a big blowout, and it's mm-hmm. something that they can uh, get and work through. But I have been talking about this sh- on the show about corporate Kyle for a long time and, and Kyle Dubas being someone maybe that he's not really. And he had a part of his conference yesterday where he delivered the line, this is me, when talking about what Joshua Cloak referenced in his article <laughs> post, uh, post-mortem, which was him swearing. And he said he was running surveillance. He's joking by, by the way, I'm it. very happy that I didn't get a knife for that because I go on Leaf Station because I sit right beneath Kyle Dubas more times uh, he than might have been, He might have been pointing well, to he you. Didn't, he didn't reference me by name, so I'm just, I'm just happy my head stayed low on mm-hmm. that one. I just I think it's worth pointing out that he is not necessarily the guy that they try to portray. Mm-hmm. He might be more of the guy who's very very passionate, who's wearing it maybe a little too much. Well, and I think he who's probably fighting with fans in Tampa Bay. Like he cares deeply, and I wonder if they would prefer that he didn't care as much, or at least put on how much he cares. It's really interesting because I think, and you. You don't want your GM or president or who, know, who knows what happens with, the, you know, some people have bandied about the idea that if Kyle needs to take a step back, that maybe he gets a bump and Pridham goes up. Like, that's not being reported. It's just a theory out there. But I think the idea of if you want your, again, it goes back to what we talked about, the idea of the personality of this organization filtering from the top down. What do we want from this Leafs team? All we have talked about is last year it was killer instinct, and now they want a series, so now we just want killers. We're, we're full Logan Roy here. You're not a killer, son. That's all we want. And if your GM has that personality, don't you want that to bleed down from the top down? Like, I don't want corporate Kyle. And that's the interesting part of if he gets more responsibility or if there's a rejigging of the org or anything like that. I think you want him to have that fiery personality. There is something to the idea of, come on, stay above the fray. Don't be yelling at the fans or whatever. And again, mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with that. But other people do, not me. But I like the idea of a fiery GM, especially with an organization. And I say organization because it's not just the stars. It's been other guys on the roster as well that have just had a bit of a pacifist attitude about the way they go about their business. And they're able to do that more times than not because of how talented they are. But we just saw when it doesn't work. And that's when the games matter the most. And we talk about leverage. And uh, in my eyes, he gave up some of that leverage by saying, and I quote, I don't have it in me to go anywhere else. However, that doesn't mean he can't get some of the things that he wants and Mm -hmm. change some of the things that have been part of his reality over the last couple of years as he's been the Maple Leafs GM. I think 
as much as it is a personal issue, and I do believe that. I don't think he was putting on tears. I think this is actually something that has impacted his family. But he's also sure. under 40 years old, got to work in the league if he's going to make the best of his life and profession. Yep. So I 100% uh, expect him to work in hockey again and that it's not a burden that he can't overcome. Well, the other, But part of it is what he can get professionally too. There's a negotiation to be had here. Well, the other thing about it as well is that it's just – and he said this, and again, people will take him at his word. They won't take him at his word. You don't get to take a sabbatical from being the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs, okay? You can't you can't take a beat. You can't take a year off. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Even if he is, and I don't think he'd be delusional enough to talk himself into this, but even if it's, oh, man, it's too hot in the kitchen right now. Let's go to Pittsburgh and, and have it a little cooler, and then one day I can come back. No, there is no coming back, okay? This is your one shot to be GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and everybody can roll their eyes at it outside of the market or whatever. Nothing in this sport matters more than winning here. Nothing, okay? You could go you could go build an expansion franchise like Vegas has done, and it's great. Guess what? No one's going to care, okay? It's all going to be, nothing will ever matter as much as it matters here. And it's just, that's what it keeps coming back to is that looked like a guy who would have loved to have taken a year off, but you can't do that. So you got to stay in the fire. And it's just, it, that's why I think there's a bit of a power vacuum here is that maybe, maybe him having more autonomy or not having to answer someone, maybe that takes some of the burden off him. And it, maybe it doesn't take any of the burden off his family, but if that's one less layer or one less fight he has to have, maybe that's part of it as well. He said he's not putting his family through this, but this would be the time to move a young family. Mm-hmm. This would be the time, not when they're, you know, teenagers yeah. and they're in school and they've got things and established roots. He's got a, he's got young kids, a young family. This would be the time if he wanted to, he does not want to. Uh, we we got to get to, or at least we don't think he wants to. We got to get to the players here uh, and we got to begin with Austin Matthews. Uh, And the big news from him is that he expressed continued commitment to being in Toronto long-term. He said, my intention is to be here. Um, Interesting. I said that he gave up some of his leverage by saying this. Mm -hmm. You disagreed. What are your thoughts on Matthew's uh, approach with the media? I don't wholly disagree. Obviously, there's a touch of leverage being given up there. But I also think you can easily make the case that that is negotiating through the media right there, saying, oh, I want to be here. I am Austin Matthews. A lot of people, maybe not after the playoffs, but think I should be the captain of this team. We just talked to Gord Stellick, who has seen just about everything that's ever happened with the Toronto Maple Leafs. He thinks that guy can be the best player in Leafs history. So saying, I want to be here, all that that does to me, and look, there are a lot of people, especially right now, maybe they feel differently six weeks from now, but right now who say, oh, who's this guy to ask for the world? How dare he say that? But when push comes to shove, It's going to be, hey, 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 what are we doing? Get that guy under contract. Do I love the number? No. But you need to get that guy under contract. I think that's where most people are going to fall. So I think that it, yes, there is a bit of giving up leverage of, oh, he could leave. He could walk. He could still leave. He could walk. Just because he said he's not going Mm -hmm. to doesn't mean he can't. So I think what this does is it puts the pressure on the Leafs to come with a correct offer whatever he deems that to be and look we'll we'll have a lot of time to guess what matthew's compensation is going to look like free mm-hmm. just bandied about numbers that i think make a lot of sense it's something i've kind of theorized on as well but i think i don't I, I understand the point of it does give up a bit of his leverage but i also look at it as saying all that that does is put the pressure on the leafs hey 60 goal heart trophy winner would like to be here why can't you get that done and now this is a little bit of semantics him saying i'd like it done this summer he 
he implied he'd like it in the summer and followed it up with that will all come in due time. So yeah. I don't know that that is like July one. This is happening. But to me, that puts the ball in the Leafs court. Hey, I'm the guy. I want to be here. I'm saying at least I'm taking the tone of I'll play ball a little. That's how that sounds to yeah. me. And it just puts the pressure on the Leafs to get it done. In yeah. my opinion, I wasn't like many members of Leafs nation giving out the comically long drawn out exhale after he said it. Like it wasn't he like, if he really, really wanted to stamp home the P the, the best PR situation possible, it would have been my priority. Jo- July one is to sign an extension with this team. Well, that if he said me, that it's a little bit, different. that to me is giving up leverage. I think, yeah. I think what that, I think what he, did was he took the best tact of like I and again I think I think he really does care about being a Leaf I think he wants to be here I do too and I think that is why he he doesn't completely nuke his leverage by saying I'm not gonna go anywhere there's no he didn't pull a Kyle Dubas and say I'm never gonna go anywhere else he said I want to be here but I think that what that does is it just again it puts the pressure Mm -hmm. on the team to come correct with a with a fair offer and not try to and not that they're going to lowball him, but th- this is and this is the thing, and this is something we'll talk to Kipper about. And Marner's going to have to make this decision next year if he's still here. You want to be a Leaf, okay? Austin Matthews can get whatever money he wants, but if you want to win as a Leaf, time to prove it, and the way you can prove it, July one. Yeah, ultimately we're going to have that discussion then. Uh, I won't be surprised if the Maple Leafs do play some sort of hardball that it won't happen July one because it's going to be a negotiation and there's no real rush. There is. I want to be clear outside of Austin Matthews walking into that room and saying, I would like to take a hometown discount that allows this team to compete for a Stanley Cup. There's no way the deal's happening on July 1. We Just listen to what every insider of note has said about the guy. Even Frank, who says he doesn't deserve it, has said he's going to shoot for the moon. There is no way it is a 12-7 deal for mm-hmm. five years or whatever it is on July 1. That is not happening. I'd be floored if that happens. It's going to drag out. It's going to go into the summer. I wouldn't be shocked if it's a very Nathan McKinnon type timing of, all right, we both, we both yelled and screamed at each other. Now the season's here. We really, as much as the least don't want to deal with it. Does you know, we know the personality of Austin Matthews. Does he seem like a guy who wants to be grilled about his contract every day of a regular season? Not a chance. So yeah, I can see it dragging through summer. I, I, I do not think Austin Matthews wants to answer questions about this all year long. And the grace that he was given by the media this year yep. when he said at the start of training camp this past year, I'm not going to talk about it. I don't think he was asked about it again no. until yesterday. So I, I feel like uh, the situation will be different despite how lenient it may have been. Uh, if there's anything that's guaranteed on that contract, it won't be maximum term, at least it seems. Uh, yeah. All the reporting, all the firm reporting has been that we're looking at four or five years. And, you know, the Leafs have put themselves in this position. The fact that he has a no-move clause starting the minute he can sign an extension, like he had everything. Mm-hmm. He got the term, he got the dollar, he even got the protection at the end of the day to make sure he doesn't go play for Nashville in yep. his final year if things went really awry. Uh, he 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 got it all. And I expect him to continue to getting to get at least most of it, and that means we're not going eight seasons. He's going to be a four or five year at a time guy, which hurts this team because if he was just if he had three more years left four more years left actually at 11 whatever it is yep. we'd be in a really good spot here if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs because you don't have to worry about the one thing and you can make your uh decisions around him a lot more effectively I think I think that is the thing that and again like people have their frustrations with this core rightfully so I think that is the thing that people and, you know, hey, it's a business. You only have, well, not one chance, but you only have one career to ring the bell as many times as you can. We all understand that. But if you look around the league, and again, like, did Connor McDavid take less? 
kinda, like kinda, sorta. He took the most, but he took a little less. Every superstar to a man has either taken the max term or taken a touch of a haircut if they don't go the max term. And these guys, to a man, and granted, it was their first time, maybe they feel differently about it the second time, they bled the leaves for every stone they were worth or every dollar they were worth and potentially more. Nylander's the one guy who he still bled him for everything he could have got. Now he just overperformed that contract. But this is what I keep coming back to. If these guys truly want to win here, and this does look, this isn't me being ridiculous here going, oh, Matthew should take an eight times eight, three, four to get his number in there. And that's, that's never going to happen. But you have to leave a touch on the table. You do. And I am okay with that. If that means that it's a four or five year deal, I am. I understand the idea. Everybody would love Austin Matthews to take his eight years hand up I would love to see that nothing in his entire life and you know we've only known him as a pro athlete for seven years now but nothing in that time has made us think that that will ever happen he has clearly decided he is going to be the market setter for the NHL that is the thing he has decided that was what he did with the first contract I have no reason Mm -hmm. to believe he wouldn't do it in the second one but if you're going to do that I really do in my heart of hearts feel you have to play ball and you have to do what Freege bandied about and do the just take 100K more than Nathan McKinnon. You have to do that. If you want, I don't know that that's going to happen, but if you truly want to win and this goes ditto for Marner, who's going to have the same decision to make next summer if he's still here and this is going to go for Nylander. Now he's in a bit of a different boat because he hasn't really rung the bell yet. But it's what I keep coming back to. If you really, truly want to win, I'm not saying you can't ring the bell. You get your money. You're Austin Matthews. You're the next guy up. You deserve to be the highest paid player in the league. Not based on you're the best, Mm -hmm. but you're one of these stratosphere guys. You're coming up. That's how it works. I do not begrudge you for that. But it cannot be, you can't get everything. You can't get all the money and no term. You have to play ball somewhere. You can be the highest paid player in the NHL by average annual salary and not demand $16 million. Yes. It is, it is definitely That's possible. possible. <laughs> and, and, I, and I do think there's reason to believe there's a bit of a change in Austin Matthews. In fact, if if we're the change we're like asking for and demanding from these players, we just want to see something different. I think not that it's like shown in abundance with Matthews, but it's shown, I think, maybe the most in Matthews. Uh, I, I think there is a level of humility. There might be some uh, just things you could pick up on that would suggest there's progress. Uh, there's a couple things here. I mean, He's asked about an injury. We all believe he has an injury. He just says bumps and bruises, no excuses. I got to play through it and figure it out anyway. I I, I think that might be a thing. Do you think uh, those guys were, because to a man, like Gio got asked if he was banged up, O'Reilly, same thing, pretty much to a man, everyone was like, no, I'm totally healthy, okay, which so it's the playoffs. Well, do you think, G- they, were, do you think G- they were afraid to be seen to making excuses? Possibly, but w- what do we like about Gio and O'Reilly? Some leadership? Yep. Some honesty, uh, honesty, some maturity. Yep. Uh, and Matthews did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if it's like, hey guys, just don't tell anyone about anything. We're probably going to get some of that and we'll get it from Austin Matthews, but kind of glad he didn't say it. Mm-hmm. Another thing Luke Fox picked up on uh, is like, you know, everyone's wearing, as I said, their designer athletes. I really like this from Luke. A- and Austin Matthews is wearing a Leaf sweater and a Leaf hat and not trying to look cool in front of the media, which is what we've seen. So if we're talking about like different difference in vibe five years ago austin matthews wanted to be a celebrity he wanted to be the biggest thing in hockey he wanted to be the guy in fashion shoots wearing stupid coats now he's kind of wearing those coats were bad he's wearing his grubby uh maple leafs hat that he put on after he looked like he looked like all the uncles who were yelling at him in mimico is what he looked like so maybe i'm grasping at straws here but i think that is interesting and and not to say luke is but like i'm kind of laying out is this a different guy argument and like the last thing there he was asked about how he'd wield his power 
And he didn't like it. He didn't say, I don't have any power. He just said, I'm not going to tell you how I'm going to wield my power. Yep. And I thought that was interesting as well. Yeah. It's a, I think the more we get to know a guy and Austin Matthews isn't Mr. You know, raw, raw, more, more, most forthcoming guy, but he's also not unhonest. And I think as you get to know more about him, it's just, he's not somebody to make these like grandiose statements. Like we would all love him to have, you know, in game five against the, against the Panthers, pull the Messier, like we're going to win. We're going to come back, whatever it is. It's just, it's not the way he is, but you do see him being more forthright and more honest. And it's just, it's a sign to me of the maturity of a player. And you know, this could be, this could be a segue to a Tavares or, you know, other conversations, but and I want to be clear, based on the playoffs, if you're making a change to the captain, there's only one choice. It's Morgan Riley. But when you see a guy like Austin Matthews take that tone, take that tenor, it does make you think there's a a maturity, a growth, steps that have been taken. And it does make you feel, you know, I think I think for a guy like Matthews who had the, for his standards, the down year he had, you want to see growth elsewhere. You want to see maturity. And I think you you do kind of see that coming from him. Yeah, I, I, and I said yesterday, um, I I still believe he can be salvaged. Like postseason Matthews can be salvaged. I think if surrounded by different people, I think he could be the postseason rock star that maybe I don't think Mitch Marner can ever be. I do think there's a difference in, in like the future with the Toronto Maple Leafs when looking at both these two players. And I do think we're seeing legitimate growth from Austin Matthews, even if we're not seeing like him take over playoff games in the second round and being the reason why they actually finally won a playoff round. I think it's still a work in progress, but I do think it's in progress. And that leads me to Marner next, because I think those are the two guys mm-hmm. that we really have to touch on here. And I thought the Marner thing was really interesting because this guy has been pretty much defiant with the media always for the last several years mm-hmm. uh we've heard luke fox come on our program and say he called media members piranhas he was really testy after they lost but i guess i give him a pass for that but this was a way different mitch marner this was best behavior mitch marner mm-hmm. he this was affable mitch marner this was the guy who was trying to land jokes in front of the media three days after he was the opposite of affable um, I thought it was really interesting, and I don't think it's not on purpose. I think it's very deliberate that Mitch Marner was on his best behavior because one of the big... Th- We're not talking about Mitch Marner being traded because of what he's doing on the ice, certainly in the regular season, mm-hmm. right? Totally. He's a rock star in the regular season. He was their best player all he's year. almost a 100-point guy. Almost a 100-point guy, Selkie nominee. There's no reason when you look at his 82 games... Uh, and, and what he does from a trajectory standpoint in the regular season that you'd ever want to move on from this guy. But there are two reasons why you might mm-hmm. beyond just the fact that they need to shake things up is that he may not have the mental makeup for it. And it shows when he talks to the media and he doesn't perform in the postseason. The only thing he can handle right now or actually try to massage right now is his dealings with the media. And I thought there was a deliberate... um tact strategy mm-hmm. from him that was like hey i'm gonna put, try to put a lot of this to bed this discussion about me and you being adversarial i'm gonna be the opposite of adversarial here's mitch marner on his best behavior what did you get from mitch i uh you know you know you know me i love a life analogy you know sometimes you get in a little tiff with your your wife your partner whoever you're with and you just try to like lighten the mood everything everything's hilarious afterwards your little jokes and it's like not now okay we're not 
we're not done with that yet. <laughs> and that's what it felt like from Marner. Like, hey, it's okay, right? We're all laughing. Like, it's like, it's almost like when the room is too tense and somebody's overly trying to lighten it up. And that's the kind of tenor I, I got from Marner. He, it goes back to everything we talked about. Dubis clearly feels it as the pressure of being Leafs GM. I think it's a very fair thing to say that nobody feels the pressure of being a Leaf more than Mitch Marner. Uh, he will bristle at that, I'm sure. He will say he he enjoys it, he relishes it. He also can crumble under it uh, occasionally, and that's the vibe I got. I mean, you know, he's going to do the thing where he says, I don't hear what anybody says. He does. He knows that people have been spending the three days after the season or whenever they spoke, and by the time he got to the podium, it was actually seven days after, after the season ended. But he hears everybody saying it. This guy clearly wants to be a Leaf, and that to me was just like, let's put out the fire. Let's show how affable I am. Let's show. But again... We go back to what Dubas said versus what Marner said and the tack the players take. And Kyle Dubas was forthright. I, I have changed. I need to do better. I need to do this. I need to do that. You heard Marner say pay lip service to some of that, but you also talked about didn't go in. Chances weren't falling. Bob was great. No. Like all those things are true. Let me say that though. Mm-hmm. You need to take accountability. And it's just, that is the thing that continues to to frustrate people. And those are the moments. And you know, this is probably a little too much body language doctoring, but those are the moments. And people have real questions about the pressure of being a leaf and some guys can handle it. And some guys can't, and some local guys thrive under it. And some guys can crumble under it. And I think, saying Marner crumbles under it is way too strong. Like I said, it's almost a hundred point player, selkie guy. Clearly he can do it, but it's just that the tone that you got from Matthews of this self-assured confidence versus Marner. It felt like kind of trying to put that, put that air on when it wasn't there. That's, that's how it came across yeah. to me. Anyways. Yeah. Despite the veil and the attempts at humor. And he said, good question to someone. And he was doing that thing where he can't find someone in the scrum and he's trying to, you I know, have, get everyone I have, laughing. Uh, I have, I've screen capped him doing the like head up look mm-hmm. uh, for when I don't like a text I get from somebody like, mm, what's okay. that look? Yeah. I've screen capped that. I, I do think in terms of players though, he wears, um, the, hey, this is burdensome being here, like Dubas, mm-hmm. but I also love it. I want to be here so bad. and uh, It's the thing he's been promised his whole life. Like, we, we kind of roll our eyes, people say that, yeah. but go back. If you have not seen it, go watch the, the City TV feature on him from when he was four years old or whatever. It's like, this has been his whole life. And look, like, there's a lot of crazy sports dads out there. One of them might be talking on these very airwaves right now, but it feels like he has really had it drilled into him that this was his destiny. He was a London Knight, the mm-hmm. anchor franchise of the OHL. And look, man, there's nothing wrong with that. There is That is the boyhood dream to want to be the man for your hometown team. And it's even better when your hometown team is the Leafs, the most important one in the whole sport. But it's a double-edged sword with all things. The pressure can make you. It's a, it can turn you into a diamond or it can turn you into dust. And we've seen both sides of it. When Marner's going well, there is no doubt about it that he feeds off the crowd. How many times, every time there's a next-gen game and there's 30,000 screaming kids in the building, he turns into Bobby Orr or Patrick Kane or whoever you want to say. Like, what he is able to do when the pressure is spurning him on as opposed to eating him alive is incredible. But it's just, this is all we talk about with the growth of the player. And you could see it there of it kind of wearing on him a little there's also some serious flattery from dubas from him which i don't think was unintentional no. uh, i think we're all i, I think they all so they, everyone wanted to be in dubas's camp but everyone i think also recognizes he's probably gonna be back and i better be nice to this guy better pander <laughs> just a little bit uh william nylander's the last one we can get to here uh he didn't very chill he didn't have the same urgency as you said very chill 
but it's not the same situation as Austin Matthews. He may have said it stronger, though, you know, doubling down on him also wanting to be here. He said, and I quote, I don't want to be anywhere else. I mean, I don't think it'll be. It's not the same situation, so it won't be treated the same way. But I truly do believe, just like Marner, just like Matthews, we think that William Nylander really, really wants to be with this group. And I I don't think it's going to be a July 1 thing. It doesn't feel like Mm -mm. it. Uh, But I don't expect William Nylander to be running for the exits either. I don't, although I don't know that I feel the exact same way about him that I do in regards to Matthews and Marner. I think there's a different pull for those two guys than there is for Nylander. I, I want to be very clear. Really? I think, I think Nylander loves being a Leaf, mm. but he is never going to go down as the greatest Leaf of all time. And he is never going never to go to an all-star game. Apparently not. And he, this is very good. And he's never going to go down as the local boy who wins it all for the team. That will always be Marner. And that will always be Tavares. And if anybody on this group is going to become the greatest leaf of all time, it's going to be Austin Matthews. And that is not to say that Nylander mm. doesn't want to be a leaf, but the tent pole things that, that don't mean I should stay here or I want to stay here, but almost I have to stay here aren't quite the same pull for Nylander. And I want to be clear. I think he likes being a Leaf. I think he would love to be in Toronto. I think he is perfect for this market. I don't want him going anywhere. But I think that the things that make Marner and Matthews almost have to stay aren't quite there for Nylander. And I want to be clear. I think he would love to be back. I think all of that. But I also think if push comes to shove and some team in a warm climate is going to pay him 10 sheets a year, he goes, eh, like being a Leaf is good. That's probably pretty good too. I think he's okay chilling. I think he'll, I think he'll wait until... Every, the dust settles on what's happening yep. this offseason. For sure. I think it'll be everything like, oh, we know about Nita, Oh, Mitch like, Marner got traded. I'll take an extra million because I know that you have a little bit of room. Right? This is the guy who, and again, I do not begrudge him. You have leverage, use it. It's the, it's the oldest saying in forget sports in life. This is the guy who went to the absolute death knell of when he could sign his, his contract. Mm-hmm. He didn't do what Matthews did. He didn't do what Marner did. No, he went to the absolute last minute so maybe he's taken a different stance maybe they were playing super hardball with him then i'm not saying it's going to go to the absolute end and they're going to get it done a minute before ufa two years or a year from now but i'm with you i don't think this will be i don't even necessarily think it's something that's done in season and then obviously that's a that's an interesting question because we've had a lot of own own rentals in this market and a Michael Bunting or a James Van Riemsdyk own rental is very, very different than a William Nylander own rental. Hey guys, give me a thumbs up in the back. If we can do chew post Pena. We can, we can let's, so let's take a break. Let's get full time for David Pena after the break, uh, fourth period analyst and Sirius XM NHL network, uh, radio host, uh, because I want to do a full interview with him, but I also, we got to give some time to this chew after because it's a very, very interesting chew. That's a tease. And we'll do the chew and pinota after the break. Sportsnet 590. The Back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Justin and Brent this morning. Uh, let's get to our next guest because we got a lot to do in this block. It's David Pagnona, editor-in-chief at the fourth period and of Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Good morning, David. Good morning. How are we doing? 
Uh, we're pretty good. We're digesting everything that we heard yesterday. That yesterday, uh, the long slog that it was yesterday. Uh, it was uh, an interesting thing at times, and it was pretty dull at times. What did you find most interesting from yesterday's locker cleanup for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Well, um, I think more so than anything, um, the the admission, I guess, from uh, uh, more Kyle Dubas than on the player side, but um, more on his angle that he's willing to listen to do pretty much anything in order to make this team better. Um, there's always been some secondary message with that over the past few years, willing to do anything but this, willing to do anything within reason, and so on. You know, this team's window is still open, but it's clear that the current recipe just just hasn't worked out. So the, the willingness at least to acknowledge it publicly um, at this stage was the most intriguing for me uh, because I certainly anticipate this, whether Kyle stays or somebody else is, is at the helm of the GM. Um, this is going to be a very pivotal and, and interesting offseason for this club. Yeah, it certainly will. I mean, uh, we'll we'll start with Kyle Dubas there. Obviously, he uh, he he was pretty forthright in the the things going into his decision. I think some people, not not me, but I think some people were surprised to hear that it seems like, anyways, it is his decision whether whether or not he'll he'll be back. You know, one of the questions uh, people have been wondering about is it's not just a money or return thing with him, but some of it is autonomy, is say. You know, this is obviously not a new thing in the NHL with uh, many cooks in the kitchen and having a GM and a president of hockey ops and you know obviously in New York they or sorry in uh, Montreal they have a setup there with with Hughes and Gorton working together do you think what what do you think is at play regarding Dubas's decision he mentioned the family stuff as well but what do you think are, yeah. are about the inter kind of team dynamics of pretty much I guess what I'm asking at is a this is probably too strong of a term but basically a little bit of a power struggle or you know wondering where the power lies between him and Shanahan how much of it do you think is playing into that I think that's part of it. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's it's a major secret that you know Brendan Shanahan has a fairly significant say with how this roster is put together. Um, you know, Kyle is the guy that's going to put the pieces together, um, but is it is it at the Is it at his sole discretion, or is it at uh, is there a secondary message or a primary message, I should say, I, I should say coming from higher up? Uh, and that's kind of been, you know, there's been speculation for, for the last few years as to who's made the major decisions or at least who spearheaded the major decisions. And, you know, with, with the, the manager's position, I mean, they're responsible for the day-to-day operations of, of the organization and for the creation and implementation of, of the roster. I've got to imagine that, you know, Dubas or any GM would say that this is my vision. Um, without question, obviously, the, the, the boss is going to have a say. But will you allow me to do whatever I need to do to follow whatever vision I, I, I'm putting together here? Um, I, I, I'm sure there have been some head-to-heads and, and things of that because it's normal. I don't think, or at least I don't get the sense that it's been detrimental to the relationship. Uh, but I, I do agree with you. I do think that if, if Dubis or whoever is at the GM title um, 
is, is implementing their plan that they want to be able to do it in a manner in which they feel is most appropriate. And yes, they'll take in whatever advice or whatever direction um, within reason. But if, if Kyle says, for example, um, the roster next season should be his doing. Fan Morning Show, Brent Gutting, Justin Cuthbert here talking to Dave Pagnota. You know, uh, obviously the future of Dubas is up in the air. I don't think this is something that's going to linger on forever because this team has a lot of business to get done. But if mm-hmm. he's not back, if he does decide, you know, it's too much on his family, he needs to take some time, however you want to word it. How big a loss is it for the Leafs? I think that's the question a lot of people have. You know, uh, people have a lot of worries in this in this town of the grass seems greener on the other side, but it isn't always. If Kyle Dubas isn't back, and obviously the follow-up to this is, well, it depends on who the GM is, but just how big a loss is it for the Leafs if, if Dubas is not back as the GM? He is very well regarded and highly regarded around the league. Um, he's very good at his job. And... Uh, he would be a ridiculously hot commodity if he became available and and if he wanted to explore or when he would like to explore alternative options. Um, Those around the league, as I said, they view him as uh, 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 one of the the top still rising GMs in in the National Hockey League. And he will probably, uh, if he wants, have this type of title uh, for a very, very long time. It would be a pretty significant loss for the Leafs to lose uh, to lose him, to be totally frank. Um, so, we'll, you know, we, we, we've got to see here. I, I, I got to think in the next week, um, give or take, that they'll have, a, they'll have a sit down, they'll have a discussion. I mean, he mentioned it yesterday. He's got to talk to his family and then kind of go from there. Um, but you know, I, it's it, the, the management structure that's been put in place here has been, um, has done so strategically led by Kyle and there are, there are other teams that view these guys quite highly. Um, long story short, it would be a, a pretty significant loss if, if Dubas is not back here as, as general manager. So where does Sheldon Keith fit in all this? It was a really strange, uh, you know, what, five yeah. minutes in front of the media. I don't know if there was much learned. I don't know, frankly, and, and I, I don't want to criticize the media members there too much, but I don't think there was much really asked either. It was like it was like almost everyone was ri- resigned to the fact that, you know, he doesn't have much to say because he doesn't even know what's going on right now. Is he just tied to the Dubas decision? Is is Are they sort of Nick nursing this where they're waiting to make the decision and we might get news uh, when she Shanahan actually has made a decision on, on the on the head coach and the general manager. Like, where do you think this and yesterday leaves Sheldon Keefe? Yeah, it seems like there's a bit of a limbo situation here. At least uh, that that's kind of what was interpreted for the most part. Um, you know, I, I think it, it's hard to say at this point um, because a lot of it is dependent on at least I believe, dependent on, on Dubas's future. Um, and, and this could be something that does get tied into it. Um, if, if, you know, Kyle leaves, the new GM will obviously, you know, want to have a say with respect to who his, uh, you know, who his, who his GM is going to be, excuse me, who his coach is going to be. Um, but, you know, he's got one more year left on his deal, I believe, uh, Keith does. And, you know, you may with how well the season went, the regular season, 
Um, and, and this team basically pieced itself together to get out of, get past Tampa and then go from there, um, which they succeeded. Uh, you know, to see him ride out his contract, at least for the time being, uh, I think seems to be the more realistic approach. Um, th- this team, it was a good, it was a good team. It was a, a well put together team, but it's clear that not, I mean, obviously it wasn't enough and there are some other elements to this team that need to be improved upon. Um, I don't know how much you can really put on, on Keith, to be perfectly honest. Um, I, I've been relatively critical of his system and style. So, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily, you know, out here with pom-poms cheering all the way, because I, I think there are some flaws in, in the system. Um, but I think they're also uh, a result of, of what he's had to, to work with in certain, certain areas. So I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he stays for the duration of his deal and then they decide what he wants to do. And as I said, one more year left on his contract. So if Keefe is back, you know, there's been a lot of talk about you absolutely cannot just run it back with the same core and the same coach and the same GM. If Keefe is back, is there any way that Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, and William Nylander are all on this team in October? I mean, I'd lump John Tavares in there, but I don't think he's he's going anywhere. Like, there has been a lot of talk about needing to have big changes, and it feels like that is simmered a little bit uh, for some people over the past couple of days. Your your gut reaction as we, as we sit here before the offseason's even started, uh, will the Leafs return all of the four core next year? Uh, for the first time in a while, um, I have my doubts, but uh, I, I don't think Mitch is going anywhere, and I don't think Austin's going anywhere, unless they turn around and say, get me out of here, which would be pretty shocking. Um, I don't think they're going anywhere. I agree with you on Tavares. Um, I really like William Nylander as a player, but if you're going to move anybody, um, he is the piece that you would explore first. Um, and as I said, really like the player. I think he's a little bit sheltered because of the other, the other guys, uh, in terms of exploiting his talent overall. Um, uh, this guy would be, a a huge star probably in a different environment um, if, if he was one of the main, you know, uh, one-two punch kind of guys, the, the second guy or, or whatever it is. I think they would be willing to explore this for the first time in a while. Um, now, it doesn't mean they'll, they'll do, obviously pull the trigger on something, but uh, I think this team recognizes the need, um, and, and I think that'll be part of their discussions overall that they need to be a little bit more uh, physical, a little tougher within their top six. And this isn't a slight on Nylander's capabilities, because as I said, I really, really like the player. I just think they need to have a a, a different mold within their top six. And if you're looking to move out anybody, and the guy with the most value at this point is likely William Nylander. Uh, I was just going to ask you next about value. Uh, And I would have said, okay, Mitch Marner has more market value. He does have the extra year, which does skew things. I mean, Mitch Marner, two years of Mitch Marner, more valuable than one year of William Nylander. But the contract is where it is with William Nylander. And it is where it is with Mitch Marner. William Nylander would be in a sell high spot where this would be sort of a sell low on Mitch Marner to an extent based on what we saw in these playoffs. 
do you think that the value, the comparative value here is like almost splitting hairs when looking at these two guys on the open market or in the trade market? Uh, just putting aside for a second that Mitch Marner has the extra year on his agreement. Um, without question, Mitch Marner's value is significantly higher than that of William Nylander's uh, league-wide. You're, you're looking at a guy that uh, the way he's played, is, especially the last couple of seasons, uh, 100-point clip. Um, I, I know he missed it this year, but in terms of potential, pace, um, and his playmaking abilities, his, the way he can control the puck, his defensive efforts, um, without, without question, you would get a haul for a guy like, like Mitch Marner. Now, um, again, I don't think, I don't think the Leafs want to explore that, um, at all, but I mean, if, would they be willing to listen? You know, Kyle said it yesterday. He'll, he'll listen to anything at this point. So, you know, we'll go from there and, and see if somebody's going to blow their socks off and, and, and whatnot for somebody else like Mitch. I just don't – I would be very surprised to see that type of deal go down. With respect to, to Nylander's value, I, I mean, I'm not diminishing it. I'm, I'm just – in comparison to the two, Mitch is higher. But William Nylander's value – is significant mm. um you know 80 80 90 point guy 40 goal potential uh at, at this stage for the next few years um would the Leafs be willing to give the you know whatever its potential team comes in the ability to you know talk to his agent to look at an extension which wouldn't be done until july 1 anyway um so if there is a move that incorporates that uh, or at least have a handshake agreement and then you know, get the deal done once you can officially do so. I mean, that would be part of it. If I'm paying a premium for William Nylander and he's worth it, um, I want to make sure I have him for more than one year. And, and that would come into play here with respect to a potential move if the Leafs do seriously explore that. Uh, I, if I'm a, an acquiring team, I want to at least know what his future looks like uh, beyond the one year on his contract and go from there. But it would be it would be a significant uh, return, and then you have to decide. I mean, it, the free agent crop isn't the deepest this this summer, um, so you have to decide what type of uh, transaction you want to make. Are we swapping talent for talent? And I'm not going to compare it directly, but I would imagine the least would prefer to go in the direction of what Florida Calgary did last year with the Kachuk trade, talent for talent kind of swap. Um, if the least do go in that direction with Nylander, I would anticipate that type of deal versus. You know, and them trying to get rid of them for futures and utilizing the cap space and the assets for other other pieces. I think it's talent for talent. Two incredible trade chips and everything but a promise to make change. It should be an interesting offseason. Uh, David, we appreciate you coming on this morning. Uh, let's do it again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. That's David Pignona, editor-in-chief at the fourth period. Before we get to the chew, let's give away some Blue Jays tickets. Yeah. I mean, why not? This weekend marks the unofficial start of summer with Blue Jays May 2-4 weekend presented by Ryobi. To celebrate, we'll be giving away tickets to Friday's game against the Baltimore Orioles. To enter, listen to our, we'll listen for our code word, rather, and text it right now to 590-590. Today's code word is Kiermeyer. I like it. Kiermeyer. Text Kiermeyer to 590-590 right now to enter for your chance to win. And this won't be a weekend you want to miss. The first 15,000 entrants on Friday will be hitting Blue Jays, a Blue Jays mesh hat. And the first 15,000 fans on Saturday in a Blue Jays pickleball paddle.
That is a very 2023 giveaway. Pickleball paddle. Wow, that is pickleball uh, paddle. That's electric stuff. Also, I feel like a lot of people in their cars very upset about the code word today. Uh, voice to text with Kiermaier, going to be a tough one. That's going to be tough. We're going to get a lot of interpretations of Kiermaier, but we look forward to it. Let's get to something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum, yum, yum. So the usual tonic for Alec Manoa is the Yankees. Not effective, though, uh, last night. Four plus innings, six hits, seven walks. Seven walks. Ooh. Five earned, taken deep twice in the first inning, did have three Ks. Uh, he has now not pitched beyond the fifth inning in seven of his last nine starts. But really the story of the game now is Aaron Judge because Aaron Judge was seen uh, at the dish peering into the Yankees dugout right before he hit his second home run of, of the game off Jay Jackson. He was doing a click, quick glance into the dugout for the Yankees about a second before the pitch was delivered by Jay Jackson. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are calling shenanigans on this, including, well, not including, but inquiring. We have an inquiring mind in our, on our team and Ben Nicholson Smith, who went into Yankees dugout and asked uh, Aaron judge why he was peering into the Yankees dugout. And uh, he came up with this answer. The, um, the Blue Jays broadcast appeared to catch you looking um, at, uh, it was unclear where, but maybe at the first base coach or the catcher for location. Was there anything going on there as far as uh, what where you were looking during that time? For when? Um, right before you hit your second home run in the game. Oh. Yeah, it was kind of a lot of chirping from our our dugout, which I really didn't like in the situation where it's a 6 nothing game and I know Booney got tossed, like I was trying to save Booney by calling timeout like, hey, hey, hold up here like, let me let me work here so, I was kind of trying to see who was who was chirping in the dugout so it's 6 nothing. like, let's Booney got tossed, let's, let's go to work now So <laughs> the music, first off, awesome sounds like a party in the Yankees clubhouse I mean, they won, so uh, It took him a second to come up with that answer, um our, our broadcast team, Shulman and Buck Martinez, were all over it. I've seen a lot of Aaron Judge at bats. He was the story in Major League Baseball last year. I never saw him once looking into the dugout like he did yesterday before, being absolutely locked in mm-hmm. on the offering from Jay Jackson and taking it to the moon. Uh, I'm calling shenanigans. I think they had a read on something. Mm-hmm. I think they had a beat on something. I think they were relaying signs 100% to Aaron Judge, and Aaron Judge used those signs to his advantage. What did you make of yesterday's hijinks? Yeah, I mean, you're allowed to steal signs unless this is a, an Astros thing or they tapped into the pitch comm. Then, uh, you know, there's definitely shenanigans, but shenanigans are, are a part of baseball. And I'll be honest, immediately what I thought when I heard that, that took me back to the Vikings uh, cruise scandal of Moel De Moore going, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm engaged. That was the exact same tenor that Aaron Judge uh, took with that answer of like, we're stealing signs. We're, this is this is baseball. We would never do that. Quit your questions. Awesome, awesome journalism there. That was actual journalism mm-hmm. being done by BNS. Good rise smile on Judge's face, too. It's worth looking at the video because... The liar's smile, if yeah, you will. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough look given that... He just set the the American League record for Tough. home runs last year, and Tough. you're you're extolling this guy as this like he is a monster, but he's this incredible baseball player <laughs> who's doing everything on the up and up. After they suffered the consequences of the Houston Astros cheating scandal, mm-hmm. that being the New York Yankees and Aaron Judge, and it's just like it's always the purity question. It's like the thing that just hovers over baseball at all times. 
is it actually real? I mean, you're again, it's like as long as there's not technology involved, like you're allowed to steal signs, yeah, right? That's so true. I, I mean, there's it was a home game for the Blue Jays. This isn't a man in white scenario from from all those many moons ago of some guy relaying signs for the Jays. So, uh, yeah, I, I if it's tapping into a pitch com or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Bring down the hammer. But if you're stealing signs or if it's somebody picking up on something or somebody's tipping pitches, well, Figure it out. Yeah, and if you're the Blue Jays, you got to tighten things up because Alec Manoa, uh, he doesn't have things tightened nope. up right now. And Jay Jackson just comes up from the minors recently, yep. and they've already got something on him. Is it something Alejandro Kirk's doing behind the plate? Mm. Who knows? Uh, but they were locked in on Manoa, and then Aaron Judge looked over and knew exactly what was coming from Jay Jackson. And again, he took that to the moon. So the Blue Jays have to tighten up their thing, their uh, their situations. Uh, but you know what? If if it's that easy, uh, take the opportunity. I guess uh, I can't really I can't really slam you that much, even though you'd like things to be uh, a little bit different. Uh, that was something to chew on. Brought to you by Greek Canadian Meats. Let's get to a break, and then let's get to Kipper on the other side. Kipper and Bourne was on fire yesterday. Hopefully, he we said can... the unthinkable. We'll he... make him say it again. Yes. Will he say it again? That's uh, that's the tease. Uh, Kipper after the break. 